Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When pondering existence related to the physical and the conscious, sometimes it behooves us to enjoy the analytical mind. So, welcome to Thack Daddy's Westworld podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll be going into just some analytics regarding what could be considered some interesting parallels that start with this one pivotal question. Who in the world am I? It's the penultimate question in that until you can actually establish the parameters by which you identify yourself, you can't fully correlate how you exist relative to other life forms and to life itself within the framework of saying, this is who I am in this world. I go all into this in relation to episodes 3 and 4 of Westworld. I'll begin by discussing what I consider the naive slash honest viewpoints of the host slash mechanical android beings versus the feigned programmed and ingratiating behavior of the human beings Uh, what I mean in this regard is the dichotomies of what it means to be human and that whole vast desert of being human in terms of the capacity and the ability to end life and also the capacity and ability to care for life that kind of divergence is prevalent in some of the characteristics of the characters in the show Westworld Uh, one of the interesting things is how the appearance of Dolores is kind of arranged as an older version of Alice from Alice in Wonderland and that question of asking not just who am I but also of trying to establish a relationship between the I and the world and the nature of that relationship and how it's questioned and you see through flashbacks Dolores has of the man in black how the sense of time when you're kind of a fixed organism meaning the hosts are programmed and the host minds are wiped and their sense of time and their interaction with people and navigating this notion of age in the context of living as opposed to age within the context of a programmed reality it just generates interesting perspectives on how 
the artificially conscious become what we would call actually conscious or conscious in the capacity of a human being and the juxtaposition of disjointed timelines is fascinating because again if you follow any of my other podcasts you know that I have an idea or notion of time that states two things one that there is no causality and two that all time is a construct of our consciousness due to the fact that when the initial beingness came to fruition everything in existence was implicit in that beingness which means that all events occur along a singular point in time and are just delineated based on our consciousness's capacity to discern the information and experience the information in a more linear fashion. The actual linear state of existence is experienced due to the many measuring units we utilize to deal with our life, such as measuring time by the rotation and movements of planetary or heavenly bodies and things of that nature. So when you have Dolores remembering older William in black or as the man in black as opposed to younger William and you frame it within a broader context of older William actually being a host as opposed to a human being it just opens up more questions than supplying answers but sometimes the questions are more fascinating but Initially, when you see her again with William, he he's the younger William has that kind of pseudo false idealism to him where he plays the hero, he gets shot for the prostitute, he kills the outlaw, and Amongst all that happening in the same episode, you have the stray host. And then you have the ghost of Arnold. And it's fascinating to see because when you see these divergences in the hosts, it begs the question, what do you actually definitively call a self-aware organism? Because we tend to think that animals aren't self-aware, but perception is really a relative thing to an organism with eight eyes would it view the world it would it might perceive our view of the world as limited we may say it, it is an imbued with the consciousness to make cameras and tvs and highways but at the same time that organism has eight eyes and can fly so it might view us as being the individuals who are limited by our large size by our lack of eyes and hence our lack of depth and perception, we'll never fully comprehend or know these type of things. Just a viewpoint. The fact daddy viewpoint. <laughs> anyway, another interesting thing that occurs is when you see that Walter kills six hosts and all six hosts that he killed happen to be those in previous narratives who hurt or killed him 
and you wonder about the notion of vengeance for these program entities that aren't supposed to have these type of behaviors but the behaviors become manifest anyway it's just like when they use uh ai programs to sort through resumes and it turns out that the ai programs are inadvertently sexist because they're mimicking the way that we analyze things through their program schematics so ultimately they come to similar conclusions based on erroneous data which is peppered and perverted by perspectives that while unconscious to most find their conscious release through the data you can google that experiment online if you so choose another interesting thing is when Maeve recognizes Teddy from the real world and you hear you can just sense an awakening with her within her and that awakening is tied to all these other events where you have these subversive activities by what are supposed to be artificially conscious toys for human play getting a sense of awareness of their existence and within that sense of awareness a burgeoning desire to experience the type of self-entitlement that the humans who go to the Westworld Park for their fun that type of entitlement but not in the most negligible negligible sense but more in a basic sense a basic sense of a longing to be in a world and to know you are of the world and from that knowing derive a sense of a self also within the episode, and we're talking episode three again, um, you hear Teddy kind of describing a digital utopia for hosts, uh, which ultimately we see become manifest in season two um, for the hosts that end up with their consciousness implanted in that world, that, that digital utopia where they can just be free. Um, it's interesting because there's also that storyline by Ford that ties Teddy to Wyatt. But we all know that Wyatt is ultimately Dolores. And that you, you understand immediately that their paths are meant to diverge. Uh, even to the point where when Dolores does pull a trigger... She does so by hearing the voice of Arnold or God, depending on how you want to see it relative to the characters and their relationships. When she hears the voice telling her to pull the trigger, you understand then that something else is going on. Yes, particularly as it regards Dolores' other aspect as Wyatt. Um, reconstructing the timeline also for this is is a fascinating endeavor. I'm sure someone else far more adept than me and with a lot more time is probably done it already. I haven't really looked into it, 
because I prefer to just have the experience of it through my own filter. But it's interesting that uh, why it is ref referenced as a pestilence uh, infesting the world and why it's men. reckon that they have well died and gone to hell um, I guess or I suppose that if you lived in an existence where you're coming in and out of being in a variety of states and variety of relationships and your recollection of them has either been perverted, deleted or rearranged could create a deep sense of disarray It's also interesting to note a conversation that Ford tell, uh, has with Bernard where he tells him that hosts are not real and they do not and that he shouldn't make the same mistakes as Arnold literally knowing that Arnold himself is a host. So it's it's interesting that he would do that. Like, it's interesting that Arnold is a voice inside of the head of hosts, and Ford seems so adamant about not treating hosts as though they are human because they don't have free will or the capacity to actually come to their own conclusions because their conclusions are program conclusions. And yet, ultimately, even as that assumption is vocalized penultimately his behavior is counter to that sense it's counter to it in a variety of ways in that he already is aware to a great extent that the consciousness that Arnold sought to create ultimately became a reality and that even within some of these beings especially during the early Turing test for Dolores it was possible perhaps that Arnold in his attempt to create consciousness is an echo that exists through the minds of his creations that knowing the level of suffering that they experienced that a certain threshold or of suffering was created so that the artificially conscious could be pushed over and crosses into the precipice of awareness and that that awareness becomes self-actualized and again you have that Alice in Wonderland motif where you see uh, Dolores ask Bernard if she is dreaming or not and at a certain point you're not sure if it's Bernard or Arnold but either or says he can remove the grief and Dolores she says that all she has left of those she's loved is the grief and that it is opening rooms inside her that have yet to be explored 
And those rooms, I believe, reference the precipice over which an artificially suffering awareness crosses a threshold into self-awareness. And that ultimately an individual themselves is the maze, that symbolic maze that the man in black is so so driven to find the center of ultimately that center is within yourself and you experience freedom only through the self not through an external reality and there's the just a level of symbolism regarding the time period i understand that the show is derived from the the film but I think it's taken the content to much higher depths and explored the depths that were implicit in the film in a much more complex and intriguing and intelligent and even fundamental way regarding notions of identity which are always at play with and amongst human beings because we have this capacity for self-reflection. We can constantly perpetuate and project our own notions of selfhood onto around and about the world and then be self-referential back to ourselves and constantly reconstruct ideas or notions of who we are yet never actually fully sustaining or maintaining them because the self is ultimately ultimately superfluous Um, you know the reckless abandon of the West and all the wants and killing, it kind of reflects a Western ideology in that the dehumanization process makes the discarding of life irrelevant, whether it's real or manufactured. And, you know, seeing how the counterpoint to Dolores, which is in my mind, Maeve, how she has a series of moments um, that are akin to self-awakening in a kind of matrixy fashion where she begins to have a deeper sense that something is awfully awry and that her waking states and her dream states are not so divergent after all because when you can't differentiate what's real and what's not real, the the notion of a, a state of being alert and awake and the state of being asleep becomes blurred. And just as those creations of the those hosts are symbolic of a kind of blurring of the lines of what we could call or assume is real versus what is real. And what they portend for even a possible future leap of evolution, such as something that may be referenced in the last paper written by um, the great theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking. This notion of superhumans is really just taking consciousness to a more conscious state. And what I mean by that, which it may sound redundant, but the, what the statement's actually implying is that if an accelerated conscious awareness can be achieved, then 
whatever could be done in the world would be done at a superhuman level. For example, instead of having individuals who only have certain aspects of their brain activated so they can do more complex math and more complex science, um, to have access to a plethora of divergent and complex systems of information and the capacity to translate them just like having an instantaneous language translator so that you don't know or speak a language but boom like in the matrix you download some sort of software application and you can instantly understand that information that means all the information in the world that was currently sealed away from you due to those type of barriers is removed so the line between the construct and the constructor gets blurred and is embodied by the host and therefore the host becomes this kind of next forbidden leap in the evolution of consciousness as being conscious of itself at a higher capacity since ultimately the majority of consciousness as we experience it, it are just like the little leaks and little flows of unconsciousness that become self-aware anyway <laughs> it's interesting to look at the the conflict between Ford and Teresa because Ford he just inherently has a certain level of scary to him just because he strikes you as the type of individual who yes he's inordinately and extraordinarily intelligent but he's also a very threatening persona. And you get the sense of Teresa's demise. And it's implicit in just in their interaction. How he stops everything from moving. Just with his presence. And how he implies and portends. Oh how thine cup runneth over. The, the, just the audacity of presence and symbolism is potent. Seeing how Maeve interacts with Hector and how her awakening about the bullet and the, and the inquiry about the, the people in the suits and how she has this deeper understanding of her experiences being both dreamlike and real and not being afraid of death and wanting to be alive in the sense that you take the risk of dying in trying to seek the feeling of being alive. That type of attribute seems to be, again, something that's definitively artificial consciousness emerging as pure consciousness. That out of an inorganic manufactured program state, the sensibilities of just seeing the world fresh even within a program framework and breaking that program and becoming conscious makes for a, a type of awakening that is deeper and newer and fresher and kind of generates its own its own leap over the gap between what we consider real and alive and what actually is real and alive like what the nature of humanity actually means is a very makeshift thing what we currently experience as ourselves can evolve into something that we can't even recognize as ourselves like that would encapsulate like the very essence of 
pure evolution. The caterpillar and the butterfly do not recognize each other as kin, but there isn't one without the other. And on that uh, audaciously arrogant note, I bid you a fond adieu. I thank everyone for the journey during this first anniversary of my podcast. And a big shout outs to DVR Podcast and uh, Big Axel for asking me to join on this journey with him. Uh, I appreciate the the push. And um, I'm just glad that whoever listens, listens to this. Even if you don't agree with or like a lot of the ideas, I'm glad and I thank you for just sharing in them or from time to time listening to them. So big ups. Hopefully the next year is much more audacious, better, intriguing, fascinating, intellectually stimulating, and at least cast off entertainment for anyone out on this very strange journey called life. So peace out and I'll be checking you out much sooner than later. Ciao. Soup. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.